Hola amiga, it's so good to have you here on Ignite with Jess Soto Ramirez. Yes, that is me, your business empowerment coach. I am on a mission to help you see yourself in someone else's story. So this podcast is here to illuminate the path to your potential through the stories of other women in business just like you. Hello, everybody. Hello, amiga. Welcome back to the Ignite podcast with Jess Ramirez. I hope you're all having a spectacular day. I'm joined with a beautiful friend of mine, Beck Thompson. Hi, Beck. Hi. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really excited. It's taken us a few tries of getting here, so I'm so excited we're here. <laughs> Even just, it wasn't just the, like trying to get the dates right, but it was then. Um, just tech issues <laughs> yeah like it was just one of those things but anyway you push through and you figure it out right uh-huh. <laughs> Beck, i'm gonna kick in kick off with the first question and then you can mm. tell us a little bit more about yourself sure. tell me about yourself without telling me your titles yeah okay you know what's interesting i thought i knew this but it's it's not an easy thing to do uh, so I would describe myself as someone who is quite intuitive, um, very curious. Uh, I am someone who changes their mind constantly when I receive new information, which is something that I thought in the past was a negative. And I actually think it's like my superpower now because I um, am not stuck to any idea. Uh, and I love love and beauty and lots of things yeah it's funny because you say it was a hard thing to answer but it feels like you just answered it so easily (laughs) i've done a lot of thinking around it but my automatic response is to say what i do yeah yeah Yeah. it's like the automatic thing is like i am you know your titles as in mother or whatever it Uh is and then it's like and i work in blah 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 this is you know um that's it's so the go-to and so when you get put in the spot when you're like actually don't tell me that tell me something else you're like ah yeah um you know it's it jolts you you know yeah you really have to think about it yeah but it's much more juicy like i love that you ask that because it's more relevant than what we do it really is because there's so much more to you than what you Mm. do you know or or Mm. the titles you've you know gained throughout your lifespan there's Mm. so much more to you and I know that because, I mean, we all have that, but I know that about you particularly because we've known each other for shit quite some time. Like, I can't even add up. <laughs> I reckon it was maybe 2007. Maybe, no, it was before 2007. It was, before. It was like 2005, 2006. Yep. yep. Shit, we're going on to almost 20 years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're not that old, guys. We were just born for me enrolled in that course together. Yeah, we met back at TAFE and we were studying community welfare Um, and it was one of those places that just kind of fed our friendship and Mm. just fed this space that we were both in. And we were like, you know, let's say it's been almost 20 years. So much has changed Uh from back then to now. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. What did you, what do you see as the biggest difference from yourself back then to now? Oh, I think the biggest difference um, is 
that I had this idea of what I needed to do in life in terms of career and and so um, particular steps that I needed to do. Like I did that course because I knew I wanted to do social work. That's how I got into the social work degree because I knew I wanted to do mental health social work. Like it was just this real like structured approach to life and how I thought I needed to fit into this structure of the world. And now it's like the complete opposite of how I operate. Like if if tomorrow I decided I no longer wanted to do one-on-one coaching, I'd just call on my clients and say, you know, I'm only going to do three more months of this and then we're going to finish up and I'm moving on to something else. And like I work so much more intuitively that, as opposed to this way I think I should do it. Um, yeah. I think I've lost that word should out of my vocabulary. I think that's such a powerful thing to do, to move from that should to, okay, what feels right now. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so easy to get caught. Like I, I feel like there's safety in the should, you know, mm-hmm. there's safety in that space of like, okay, now I need to set this out step by step and this is how we will get there. And Because mm-hmm. I even remember one of the biggest things that used to say was like, no, I won't be having kids until I'm in my 30s. <laughs> um, you know, like it was... Um, but I think we were all in that sort of space as well of like, okay, this is what I do now and then it will lead me to this and then it will lead me to that. It's like you become so obsessed with the how you're going to do things uh-huh. um, that you almost forget to be in that moment. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And it, you're so future focused. But like what about right now? Am I even enjoying what I'm doing right now? Like it's. And if I'm not, why am I staying? And, like, I love that course. I learned more in that course than I did at uni. I say that all the time to people. Um, but it's just interesting that that was the next step. Like, that got me to that next step and that got me to that next step. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to pause for one second because I don't know if you guys can hear, but I've got the dog in the oh, back. Oh, I can't. <laughs> just leave the door open. Give me two seconds. Um. Yes. Okay. Back. Um, so it's like that whole thing of like, sorry, we were saying about that whole structure, right? Of like mm. figuring out. And I do believe that those things happen for us, but it, what it makes me think about, um, Beck, and you will probably connect with this in a way as well, of you're at school and that's what they teach you, right? Mm. It's like, okay, so what are you, this like loaded as fuck question, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, when you grow up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When you grow up, you know, this year 12 pressure of making these choices and these decisions where you have to like, you haven't even stepped into the world and Mm -hmm. you're having to make these calls where it's like, I remember feeling so overwhelmed by that. And both you and I, from our course moved into working with young people as well mm, mm. and youth workers and so we saw the other side of it mm. did you see that playing out for other young people uh yeah absolutely and then i also saw the people that didn't think like that and the like almost backlash that they get for that and that they should have a way of like you should know what you're doing or you really like just these expectations placed on them if they didn't have that and and quite often happens with really creative young people and like I always used to say the the kids who graffitied everywhere and got in trouble for graffitiing I was like you are so talented like if only you could move that into doing graphic design or being a big mural painter or like this you don't have to go to uni and study something or 
like there's such a huge, I said this to someone the other day, that there's such a huge push away from trades now into uni and we're losing all the practical skills that come with those people who are really good with their hands and do things and, you know, this push that uni is somehow better than everything else, even entrepreneurship, like you need to do these business courses or, yeah, yeah. just a really interesting way we're moving. Sorry? Just an interesting way that society's moving that I don't think will benefit us in the future. And it's like this real, again, I feel like it's this, you know, figuring out the how and boxing us up of like this is how you do things and so therefore mm-hmm. you have to go to uni to get this degree. But the amount of people that you hear saying, like actually I was speaking with a teacher the other day and they were like, oh, pff, I didn't learn shit in uni basically. Mm-hmm. Like everything I learned about teaching was on the job. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they don't need that. Obviously they need that foundation and everything. But it's the same as business. So many people like I did this huge ass business course and I like I haven't even used it, you know. It's mm-hmm. not until you are on the floor and running and doing these things mm-hmm. that then you realise, oh, hang on, there's so much more to this industry to this job to this you know experience that you're going to give yourself Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and like what you were saying before about like the kids that were doing graffiti and that kind of thing i wish and like this is something that i feel like just needs to happen that we need to encourage these skills and show people how they can use them in a different way Mm. do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. these kids like you're incredible you know artists there is so much space for artists to make money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's society, it's the teachers, it's a school, it's whatever, that, you know, being an artist isn't going to do it, give you money. You know, being a creative doesn't bring you money. Yep. And that's a load of shit. Yep, yep. That's exactly because before I went to TAFE, I studied music and I always had in my head, I need to have a plan B. And I honestly think that's why I failed at it because it wasn't my number one plan. I had Mm -hmm. to have this backup plan of like, what would I do? And in the course that I did, they literally said to you, you will not make money out of music unless you're in the 1%, right? So it was just like, just give up now. Like, there's no point you can going on if you think you're going to make a career out of this. Like that was said in our courses, like in, because you have probably have really burnt out people who haven't made it. And yeah. sure, not everyone makes it in every field, but that doesn't mean you don't go for it. That's right. It doesn't mean you don't give it your best. It doesn't mean you don't believe that you can't be that 1%, you know, mm-hmm. 1%, you know. I mean, hey, as entrepreneurs, we are in that 1%. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where we are a little bit crazy. We are a little bit wild. We yeah. do things outside of the box. We do shit differently. We challenge things, you know, that most people don't understand. Mm. But it's that that helps us, like, it's that what fuels our fire, you know, yeah. to keep going and try something different and do things differently that then creates something for the people to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I was having a conversation like this the other day with someone. Um, I think it was just about like the whole, what was it? it? It was like the whole thing that we get taught at school and whatnot and and oh, and people were saying, oh, I'm worried about the future, the generations to come. And my take on it was like, I'm actually partly excited for the generations to come because I feel like they're now being introduced to something different. They're Mm. being encouraged to think differently. They're being encouraged to explore different avenues. They're being encouraged to use their creativity. Um, And that's exciting because it's not until those people step into those roles and step up to their calling that they're the ones that start to create change for the rest of us. Yep. 
Yeah, it's so true. I um, went away on the weekend for my best friend's 40th and one of the girls there, I think she was maybe 11. Um, and anyway, someone was cooking some food for her and they said, do you like it? And she said, actually, no, I, I would like to give it back. You know, they want it. She wanted bacon more crispy. So she said, can you put it back on and make it more crispy? And I said to her, wow, like, I don't know if you understand how amazing that is that you're able to speak up and say what you needed. When I was her age, I would have said, oh, no, it's great. Thank you. And I would have eaten it regardless of whether I liked it and it was the way that I wanted or not. And like, I feel like young people are learning not to be so many pe so much people pleasers. And I think that comes from our generation of being those people pleasers and then saying, no, thank you. That didn't work for me. This is yeah. how you do it. And whereas our parents were people pleasers and it worked that way. And so I just think the new generation coming through knows what they want, able to express it, able to have good boundaries. Like, and it's just, it's amazing to see. It is. It is amazing. And it doesn't, <laughs> I do also see it from the other side where it doesn't rub everybody up the right way. Of course. <laughs> you know. It them of what they're not doing as well. You know, whenever you get that mirror back, it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a trigger. Um, my daughter won, um, one day was did a very similar thing but not at a cafe it was with a family friend where she was making all the kids um i don't know it was like she was giving them bread and and my daughter was like no i want mine toasted and you know she was like no everyone's just having bread i'm not doing toast for anybody everybody just has to have, to have bread so my daughter got upset and she was like well i don't want bread i want toast mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know aliyah's got quite a strong personality so she'll stand in that and especially if she's getting that pushback, she was like, well, no, why can't I have, you know, toast? And then she comes yeah. to me and she's like, mum, I just want toast. What's the problem with me having toast? I'm like, there is no problem with it. Of course you can have toast, right? But it was that moment where the adult was like, no, you're just having what I give you and you just mm -hmm. need to accept it and take it. Mm -hmm. And I actually was so proud of Aaliyah because I was like, well, fucking good on you because you are entitled to speak up and say what you want. I encourage yeah. that at home, obviously with respect and everything. And it is challenging as a parent. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I am raising a woman for the future, right? Mm -hmm. And I want her to be able to speak up and say what she wants, what she mm -hmm. needs, what she likes, what she doesn't like. Because like you said, we've been told just to accept and put up with. And mm -hmm. so many women are still doing that. Mm -hmm. And they're just eating the shit sandwich that's been dished out to them. Mm -hmm. You would see that in your work, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Tell, tell me about your work. Like, tell me about what you do and how you see this happening. Yeah. So my role, my <laughs> what role I do, my title. <laughs> uh, uh, is a, I'm a dating and relationship coach. So I see, I see it probably more in single women who are, um, who are looking for a partner, and there's this, there's a it's interesting because it, it influences the way that I parent because I see these people as adults now and the the influence that parents have on on kids in that way in being people pleasers and um and having really kind of weak boundaries around what they will accept and won't accept like it's really interesting I usually start with someone they'll usually say um like that they don't know what they want in a partner or they just need to accept anyone because you know that's what you know otherwise they're not going to get anyone. You know, I just need to have, you know, whatever they can be or their list might be. I want them to be nice and respectful. I'm like, oh, yeah, anything else? Like you're allowed to want more in a partner. Mm -hmm. um, 
and like I recently worked with a guy that was like this actually and now probably probably like six months in to be honest and he just went on he's on his third date he wouldn't get past his first date because he was never clear on what he wanted he just had to accept everybody but then it was giving him all these dates that just didn't match him so they never worked was wasting everybody's time Mm. um and then now he knows what he wants it's clear on that and this woman they're now on their third date no like it's massive Mm. um yeah but I definitely for him massive deal massive and something that he thought was never possible so he just got in this cycle that first date first date first date first date I don't fail I'm, I'm no good at in going past the first date um yeah it was just really interesting so I see people pleasers a lot like really a lack of boundaries uh um like accepting behavior that's not okay um mm. from the beginning and like I'm so clear, particularly the women I work with, that if you need to implement that boundary from the beginning, if it's someone calls you a name you don't like, like if they say, hey, doll, hey, sweetie, and you're like, I just want to be called Jess, like, please just call me by my name. And then if they said, the person says, um, oh, whatever, sweetie, you're like, you've just walked all over my boundary. Like, oh, that is a that huge just rubbed red me up the wrong way. Yeah. My, my hair's just went, ugh. Yeah. So you just go, no, thank you. Like, that's, you've already just proven to me that you don't respect my boundary. So how do you think that's going to go down the track, six months down the track, when you want to talk about something serious? Like, yeah. or if they say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, that's just a habit of mine. I call everyone dull. And I, you know, of course I'll call you Jess, you know, mm-hmm. and then they continue to call you by your name. Like, and yes, people are allowed to make mistakes. They might slip into an old habit, but you know when it's intentionally yes. like nasty. They're intentionally walking over your boundary or not. So like I, a huge part of what I teach people is like how to put your boundary in place and hold your boundary in place. And it's not a wall and it's not a bad thing and actually helps to keep everybody safe. How did you do that in your life? Because you mentioned about how when you were a kid, you would have just accepted the bacon and, you know, yeah. eaten it up. How has that shifted for you? Yeah, I think I just had to learn. It was, I don't actually remember like a point in my life when I started doing it. Um, I know with my now husband, I would have started with really poor boundaries um, when we first got together. And mind you, we've been together since we were 17. So it's a long time. But, yeah, I mean, you guys were really young though when you started. Yeah. And I did, I just think I accepted a lot of his behavior. Um, in, like when we were younger, like he'd do whatever he wanted to do and I'd just go along with it. And, um, I think over time I tested those boundaries by putting them in place and seeing how he responded and he stepped up and respected me and I was like, oh, this is working. Okay, cool. I'm going to, and it was a safe place to do that because I knew by putting one boundary in place that, and I can't even remember what it was, but that he respected that and therefore I could then say what I wanted more. And to be honest, it actually improved our relationship because I think he then respected me more. Mm. Uh, So I think over time I probably practiced it in that space and then just um, well, in a workspace I um, I do remember very clearly starting a new job and I went into that job saying I'm just going to be me. I'm sick of being a different person at work and at home and with my friends and like I'm just going to go into this job being me, wearing what I want, talking how I want and if people either like me or they don't and that's how it is I think I just got to the point of exhaustion to be fair yeah Um, and it was out of a necessity to just be me and have those boundaries in place so that's how I think I did in a work context and just it felt good it felt good once I started doing it because it made me feel more authentic and allowed to be myself I feel like when I met you you know like back in our TAFE days I feel like that was something that always came out of you 
Mm. that it was like you were you you know and mm. this is who i am and i wonder was that a time where you were already putting those in place or do you think you were practicing or you were or you were still in the early stages good question i, I think i knew how to do it socially um mm. and with friends i think i just i suppose a, a place where i like i always felt like i i don't know like that i had the confidence to do it with friends and socially because i I'd always been myself with friends and that was always accepted. So that yeah. felt safe. Whereas a workplace, I felt like I had to have some sort of facade on to fit in, particularly because like I'm not a very um, conservative person. I hate wearing like professional clothing or, or corporate clothing. Like, I really don't feel like myself when I wear that or those kind of things. Like if I want to colour my hair pink, I want to colour my hair pink and that doesn't always work when you're working in your South Wales health, like, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that I had this idea that I need to put a facade on at work, but friendship-wise, I was always very clear at that. I remember being um, single when I was, this is probably before taste, I would go out with friends and I, if I was ever to ask a guy to come back to my house, I would say to them before we left the, the place, you're welcome to come back, but I'm not having sex with you. Oh, wow. Um, That's uh, cool. And no one ever. No That's because so many girls would be scared of saying that. Yeah. And we'd just sit up and eat food and then, you know, because they maybe lived far away or I enjoyed hanging out with them or, but I was so clear and I never, no one ever crossed my boundary and I never, yeah, I never allowed it. They would have got kicked out of my house. Yeah. That, that is such a firm boundary um, yeah. and one that I think is um, quite a challenge for some people. Um, but obviously the fact that you had already started practising those boundaries, it, mm. like, like you were saying, it was almost like you were reinforcing, oh, hang on, I tried with one and mm. that worked out well, so now I tried with the other and the other and started, you know, yeah. into different spaces. You mentioned about... It's particularly in the workplace having to put in some boundaries and obviously that would have then played out in different areas of your life. Mm. How did people respond when you did lay down those boundaries and you did show up as yourself rather than as the person that people think you should be? Yeah, uh, look, to be honest, I, I did it when I started a new workplace. So I think everyone just assumed that that's who I was. Yeah. So that wasn't so hard because they didn't have an idea of who I was prior. Um, if I think like later in my career, like just before I went on maternity leave, I was like managing a homelessness service and um, very easily my boundaries would slip there because I reported directly to the CEO who wanted me on all the time, my phone on all the time, I'd have to respond all the time. Like I was in charge of like four refuges, like 10 managers, you know, so I had a big role in that. And she was on all the time. So it was easy for me to slip mm. into that. And I struggled to put my boundaries in place there um, mm. because I felt like it was part of my role. And if I didn't have, if I had firm boundaries, that wouldn't work for the company. So I, mm. it's, yeah, I definitely struggled there. And I don't even know that I was successful in putting them in place until I left, <laughs> to be mm. honest. And then I was like, this is not for me and I can't ever go back there. And like now that I've had a kid, like my priorities are so different and it's just I can't and I could never work for anyone else again. Like I just I'd yeah. really, really struggle. I'm sure if I had to, I would, but I, yeah. I would really struggle. Talk to me about your boundaries as a boss. Yeah, and for myself. Mom. Yeah. Yeah, that's another interesting one. Um, 
I'm lucky that I have an office, so I shut the door. Like yeah. I can go in my office, leave my office. Whereas when I worked, um, when we lived in Sydney, I worked in our lounge room. That was really tough because it was like an open space and I felt like, oh, I could work anytime. Same with having a laptop, like you can move your laptop and do your work. I just have really like firm times. Like when we do dinner, I don't do any client work. I um, like I'm working to take one night off a week. Nights are really popular for my work. Um, I, I said to my husband said to me yesterday, you know, when we're like ships in the night again. And I was like, I know, I get it. And if he'd said that to me years ago, it would have been like, oh, screw you, I'm working hard for the family. Yeah. <laughs> and that last night I was like, you're right, you're absolutely right. And I'm going to stop booking people in on Friday nights so that we can have time together. Um, and I've just recently cut off weekends because um, it's too much. So I'm, I'm learning. It's definitely harder for me to do it because I also love what I do. So, and I also get addicted to that, like, adrenaline. Like, I'm busy. It's, like, it's fun. Like, I'm in it. Um, I also know, though, that being so in my work, I don't have space to vision and to um, do things differently and to bring in new creative energy. So I am very aware that I need space to to have innovative ideas and to bring in what's next. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just a nice balance of, like, um, enjoying the work that I do, but also giving myself space. So I have to schedule it in, to be honest. I have to block it out in my calendar. No clients here, like, yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. Um, otherwise it doesn't happen. And I think that it's it takes a lot of self-awareness, first of all, for yourself, but it also takes a lot of maturity in a relationship for you to hear what your husband's saying um, mm. and not take it as an attack. Um, yeah. Because, you know, those things can be taken the wrong way. Like, especially you can sit in that victim mentality, like, I'm doing this for the family, like you said. Yeah. And yes, you are. But then it's that, okay, well, where's the level of importance for your connection with him and your time as a family and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, which can be easily blurred when we work from home and we run our own business and we have our own schedules and that kind of thing. Like for yeah. me, it, it's the same sort of thing. Like I remember when I first started business, one of the things I did was a bit of like journaling and scripting about what do I want my days to look like? And for me, that has always been like, you know, while Cruz, my son, was, wasn't at school, it was like I still wanted to allocate two full days to him, you know, and then the other three days while he was at um, childcare, then I would work on the business and that kind of thing. But one of the big things was I want to work while they're at school. Like mm. my ideal is not for me to work when they come home. Like obviously, you know, the idea of balance as in uh, equal parts, I don't believe really exists because we go through different seasons and so there's times that you're going to do more work you know, less family, other times you're going to do more family and less work. Um, yeah. And you and I feel like you have to be, you have to work with that. You have to flow with that as well. But to be able to know, okay, and this gets to this certain point and I switch off because mm. otherwise I will stay switched on, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to then become burnt out. And like you mm. said, you don't create that space for your thinking. And so I feel like women um, need permission to rest. Women yeah. need permission to say, actually, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Or yeah. actually, I'm just going to go for a walk because I feel like going for a walk, not because I have to work out, not yeah. because um, of anything, but just because I want to. And yeah. the when we give ourselves that space, 
that creativity can actually come through, that, you know, different thinking can come through, that relaxation can come through. And that is just as important for our business and for ourselves as individuals as it is for, you know, for our actual business. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge um, believer in manifesting and um, I honestly believe if there's no space for the things to come through, then where are they going to fit? Like, mm -hmm. and I, my biggest, one of my biggest um, weeks in business was when Flynn was really little and I just started back and he got hand, foot and mouth and we couldn't leave the house, right? You're kind of trapped at home when you get that. And this was prior to COVID, so I didn't know yeah. that was coming also. You didn't know what but, the lockdown was like. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't do any clients because I had him home with me for the whole week. And so I was like, okay, what can I do in this? He was still little, so he had naps during the day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work on my beliefs during this week. So I spent the whole week working on my beliefs and my limiting beliefs. And I had client inquiries come in one after the other. Like I sold big programs to people and I was like, this is wild. The I did less work than when I was like hustling. Like I hate that word because I just, it's just not me. Yeah. Um, but you, I, I believe like it doesn't have to be like that. If you're in your, like I've, working so hard on this because I easily fall into my masculine but if I'm in my feminine and I'm working with my intuition and I'm in flow that's when I'm the busiest in my business as in like in a good way like mm. not this chaos mm. because yeah. it's like this it's almost like this um you know that scarcity and abundance mindset mm -hmm. as well like it kind of flows back and forward yeah. And when it is that scarcity mindset, you do things differently and you don't yep. necessarily open yourself up to what can be coming in. Yeah. Um, and it is like I'm like you, I can easily fall more into masculine energy yeah. and just like, all right, let's do, do, do. Yeah. But then I also am like I need so much of my feminine of just like feeling into myself and feeling the vibe and just giving myself space and time. And um, it's such a... <laughs> It's like a tug of war at times, you know. It is. And you need both, right? Like the masculine is really important to get shit done. Like if we yeah. didn't have it, we would just be flowing around and like nothing would actually happen. So yeah. like it's still really important. It's just that I know dominantly I fall into that. So I've got to consciously be more in the feminine. Yeah. Um, you know the story you said about that when little man had um hand, foot and mouth. Yeah. Um I remember, and I'm going to share a little story. I remember you shared that with me the day that we walked along the. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that like I'd forgotten it, but when you mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah. Lord, she did tell me that. Um, so when I was at, and and this goes back to what you were saying about space. So mm. when I was making a decision to transition from closing Junior Street and moving into my next step, my next phase in life, I just figured out what the fuck that was even what that was even going to be, how it looked, you know, again, going back to that thing where you want to figure out the house, like, mm -hmm. and this is my next step and this is my next step. Um, well, I wasn't, like, I couldn't figure out the how. I was just sitting in a space of, like, what's going on. But one of the things, one of the reasons um, I reached out to you was because I had spoken with my mum and my mum mm. said to me, Jess, you're doing too much. Like you're mm. constantly doing this, 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 you know, you've got your job, you've got the kids, you've got like all these different things and you go all in on them, but you've got no space. Like you cannot possibly receive any other information, creativity, flow, because you are full, you're at capacity. Oh, I got goosebumps. Go, mum. <laughs> I know, right? I'm telling you, she's the best. She's like, you know, she just drops the bombs for you. <laughs> um, 
and I was like, oh, shit, she's right, you know. And yeah. it was that space where I created a good couple of weeks where I really just did some, I wouldn't call it, well, maybe it was soul searching, but it was also just kind of searching of like what am I feeling into now rather than just being in the doing, what am I feeling mm. into? Then I knew that there was something bigger coming for me. I just was trying to figure that out. And that's when I spoke to one of our other friends and she said, hey, Beck's been doing her business. Why don't you reach out to her and have a chat with her? I was like, oh, my God, that's so right. So you're one of those people that I went to within that space and time um, to have those conversations. And then having these conversations with you was so liberating because we could just speak so openly, you know. Mm -hmm. We were always yeah. like on this same wavelength of like mm -hmm. you got what I was saying, I got what you were saying because we were mm -hmm. both in this same headspace of like, exploring and creating something for ourselves and doing things differently and mm. um you and i think of have always connected in mm. different ways at different parts of our life but mm. that was like a really crucial point for me because mm. it was it was beautiful to be able to connect with someone that just got what i was trying to say because most mm. people were just still confused about what i was trying to say you know yeah yeah um and with that came that whole thing of what we're talking about creating the space it's exactly mm. what i did about having those conversations to think outside to mm. you know opening yourself up to the new things that can come for you um yeah so i just thought i just needed to share that i don't know where i'm going with that but it was <laughs> like i just needed to put that out there because um it's important to create this space for ourselves yeah you know like i i that day will always stick in my mind too um and i it was so obvious that you had to take a leap and it took so much courage for you to put something behind that you'd work so freaking hard on mm. and to acknowledge this is not working right now and what else can i do differently and like i resonate with that because when my business took off was when i took the leap and went this is it like it either works or it doesn't and you know i'm letting go of social work and what i'm doing as a backup and i don't want to work for anyone else anymore i'm just going to give it a go and see what happens but i have to give it my all and i think you had to take that leap too and i think that's so important to just like know that you're going to be held by god by the universe by whatever you believe in you will always be held that you will never fall to the ground and drop and, and die like we you're gonna die at some point but you know you're gonna be caught like it's why like i if i look back at my life i'm like i was i like the universe always has my back always like if ever i need money if ever i need you know clients like i just ask for it and i get it and i trust that it's coming and it happens yeah like, having that trust is like massive and you i i don't believe you will be successful if you holding on to these um like safety nets that you think are helping you like mm. I just don't think they're helpful. Mm. Yeah, and I think for some people, like they just need to go all in, you know. Yeah. And I am very much from those people. I just I want to go all in. I want to give it my yeah. all, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that definitely you you need to take that to leap of faith. You know what I mean? Like mm. when you were talking about that, the first thing that was coming to my mind was trustful. Like, mm. you know, when my kids just walk up to me random, mum, trust fall. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to catch them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of image I kept having to my head. But really it is like you've yeah. got to let yourself fall and you've got to trust that, like you said, for me it's God, for people it's universe, whatever it is, but that something and that trust in yourself as well to know yeah. that I'm not going to fall, you know. Yeah. 
I will land wherever it is I need to land yeah. and I will keep going, you know. Yeah. I had a conversation with my mum actually the other day and it was what you were saying about, you know, when things come, I'm like, mum, we've never been without. We've never gone without, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no reason why it would happen now or later or like I trust I just have faith and trust that I have everything I need within me and yeah. I have the backing of, you know, the higher powers around me to just help me keep going. And it doesn't mean things aren't going to be tough. It doesn't mean yeah. things aren't going to be challenging. It doesn't mean they're not going to feel scary as fuck. It yeah. doesn't mean that you're not going to doubt yourself. Like all of this is going to be part of it, but it's yeah. like it's it's like this underlying, underlying trust and faith and connection to yourself and to yeah. something bigger that you know I've got to do it and I've just got to keep going and I will be okay yeah yeah and I I honestly believe if you're in your intuition and your gut with that decision it won't go wrong mm. like if you're in your head possibly you'll go wrong but if you like if you think it's what you need to do or you should do I think you could be steered wrong but if you have a knowing and a feeling this is where I need to go you need to go there. Yeah. Funny you say that. Just um, while I was getting my smoothie prepared, while I was um, before we jumped onto this call, I read a post of someone who had a beautiful business um, and it was she shared that it was like a few years ago. The image that was taken was like a few years ago. It was like five years back. And she said it's scary to think that this was the point where I realised this business was not for me mm. and it was five years later so she had her business for 10 years it was five years later that she finally took the step and one of the things that she wrote was those that gentle whisper basically that goes mm. this isn't really for you but you're not actually happy but then what happens is then your mind kicks in and mm -hmm. goes yeah but what about your staff yeah but yep. you've always wanted this and yep. it's the definition between that gut thought and yeah. that head thought that for yeah. many people can be really tricky. Yeah. But the more you tune into that, the more you start to learn to listen to those whispers yeah. rather than let your head take over of all the shoulds, coulds, yeah. going back to the shoulds. Like this this conversation just keeps circulating yeah. like about, you know, those shoulds, coulds and all of those expectations placed yeah. on us by someone else or by ourselves mm. that just then keep us doing the same old shit. Yeah, yeah. I went to a, um, this is a huge battle for a lot of my clients as to like what is my head, what is my heart, I don't know mm. how to tell the difference, like this is very confusing. Yeah. Um, is it my intuition, is it my anxiety? Like, yeah. And I went to a beautiful workshop um, I don't know, a couple of months ago and someone asked that question, like how do you tell the difference between um, intuition and your head? Um, and she said to me, for me, the two differences, your intuition always comes in first. It's the mm. first thing that comes in, then your head will try and override it second. And then secondly is that the um, intuition feels expansive. It mm. feels like there's, um, like it feels alive and expansive and the anxiety feels constrictive. Yeah. So it's, and it feels like this tightening. So even if you can feel it in your body, like is it this like, <gasps> then that's probably not your intuition if it's like, ah. Yeah. That possibly is. So you just got to get to know what it feels like for you like I'm doing so much more somatic work with people in like how does that feel in your body like if you can recognize what it feels like in your body what a cool shortcut to like know what that feeling is 100%. Um, so I think that that's really key as well 
Yeah, having that connection back to how does that feel for me, mm. which I think often we're not taught how that mm. does, how does that feel for me, mm. because we've been taught as kids to be the people pleasers. Mm. So it doesn't matter how you feel yeah. as long as you do it for them, you know. Yeah. So then we have to make big ass tough fucking decisions in our life. Yeah. And we're like constantly put everybody first and put ourselves last mm. and then this starts to play out in our life and our business and our relationships and everything yeah. because we haven't been taught to listen to that that whisper we haven't yeah. been taught to tune in with our intuition and to see mm. how that feels in our body yeah. um, and I think you know like we have so much power as mothers as women to influence what's going to happen later right mm, so mm. how are we now treating our kids what are we doing with our clients what are we doing with the people that surround us are mm. we encouraging that mm. or are we just you know kind of accepting and and you know and not challenging that i think like yep. there's, there's a responsibility that we also have to be able to share that yeah and you know it's massive in coaching because i think that um, there can be like a God complex in coaching or that I'm the, the holy grail of information. Like if I say something something to my clients and they question it, amazing, like you trust what you're saying. I don't, you know you better than I know yeah. you. I might, you know, give you what I feel like is the best way to go forward. But if you don't agree, speak up and tell me. I don't need you to follow me blindly. Yeah. I want you to trust your own intuition and gut, you know, like, and there's so much, excuse my swearing bullshit in in the dating world around this like this is what you should do this is when you should send the first message this is what you should wear on a date like whatever <laughs> like I'm like and I get it because it sells things it sells courses it sells books it sells you know but it's not like there's no rules like, that's right I, but it's like okay it sells it but then like that's that's another frustration of mine okay we can sell all this shit and we can box it all up but you have to feel what's right for you. And I keep going back to this affirmation of I have everything I need within me. So mm -hmm. if something's not sitting right for me, your mm -hmm. fucking perfectly boxed up gift that you have for me may not work for me. Yeah. You know, and and this idea of just wanting to make money and mm. this coaching space, we're just going to package it and it's not going to be for everybody. And if it lands yeah. to the person that it's good for, fantastic, you know. Yeah. But I always say, like, you know, for me as well, like when I work with people as well, it's sort of like, how's this feeling for you? Do you think you mm. can do it? But we also have to be mindful that we are going to be in a space when we're going to be challenging ourselves at that, that that expansiveness could be yeah. there, but we've also got that, oh, but I'm shit scared. Yeah. And it's also okay to take steps when you are feeling absolutely. shit scared, right? Yeah, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. That is the the differentiation around like, I is it just fear there or does it just not feel right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. There's so much to learn about intuition. Um, mm -hmm. I talk to my daughter about it a lot and even my son of them just feeling into their body of how does that feel for you, you know. Yeah. Or sometimes I just come, mum, blah, blah, and this and that happened and it just didn't feel right, you know, mm -hmm. and I just love to hear those words because I'm like, yes. Yes, it's working. Connecting <laughs> <laughs> with something that probably doesn't make fuck all sense to them but they're like, yeah. that just didn't feel right, you know. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to talk about how that felt in their body or why they feel like it didn't feel right or why did it feel really good, you know? Yep. Yeah, and, amazing. 
I, I just, yeah, I just love that we can have that influence and that impact on being able to share that with people. Mm, mm, beautiful. Yeah, it really is. You're a mum as well, so I can imagine you've got the same sort yeah. of thoughts and, you know. He's only three currently, I just say, do you feel like you need to do a poo now? <laughs> <laughs> it's time. Hey, it's going to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Beck, if people wanted to get in touch with you, like tell me a little bit more about what you do, how you help people. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I do coaching for singles and couples and either I do that one-on-one -on -one or I do it in group coaching. One-on-one um, -on -one at the moment, um, I'm fairly full, but feel free to reach out and try and snag your spot. And if, I, if I'm holding my boundaries firm, who knows? <laughs> Um, and group coaching, I've got a course called Up Level Love um, coming out on the 27th of March. So that's um, for single women who are wanting to um, explore what it's like to, I suppose the aim is to understand yourself, understand what it's like to be in a relationship. So even if you've started dating, it's perfect for you. If you're looking to date, it's perfect for you. Even if you've just started a relationship, it's perfect for you because um, we move through those phases of like, what's it like to be single? What's it like to be dating? What's it like to be in a relationship? And um, and that's group coaching. So that's like all of you on the Zoom screen at once. Um, and one-on-one -on -one is just one of you or two of you on the Zoom screen with me at once. Um, yeah. And I just work, people often say to me, how do you work in coaching? And I really just work intuitively. Whatever you need in that moment, we work with. There's no particular structure or um format in that way i just meet you where you're at and we work from there yeah and i guess that's where your client's going to get the most out of you because you're really tapping into what they're needing at that point in time yeah it's the only way to be honest i know how to work really effectively is to be really present with you and to just you know guide wherever we're going next and mm -hmm. it seems to work i've got some happy people so I think it's working <laughs> and you've got you've got the history as well of like the foundational stuff that you've learned through you know your social work degree and all of totally. that as well yeah 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 I have a big therapy background and um the difference if people are wondering because I often get asked this question like what's the difference to you between therapy and coaching and it's just for me that I'm more future focused I'm more present and future focused as a part opposed to past like yes the past informs where we're at but I don't need to sit in the past I wear more sit in like here's where we're at and this is what we're going to do forward and I'm very practically based so yeah. you usually leave with homework yes the fun stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> the tough stuff to walk away with and have to go and do on your own yeah well it's where the magic happens to be fair like the magic doesn't happen with me it happens when you put those practices in when you're home or you're home with your partner or yeah it's true. It's true. Um, and I'm just, I've just got a curious question. Yeah. Um, what's, what are like the women that you're seeing come through? What age mm. group, like ranges are they in? Do you get like a whole massive range or are you? Not really. I think I probably get between like, let's say 25 and 45. Yeah. Um, some kind, like that'd be average. Sometimes I have people that fall outside of that, but that's the main one. And the main is probably like 30s to 40s. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that you do what you do. Um, and I think for whatever reason, my mum's just come to mind and my mum's always believed in love. Mm. And um, she 
has had some pretty shit relationships all throughout her life mm -hmm. and you know that whole thing that you're talking about like coming back to yourself and you know figuring your own things out I think it was at that point when mum started doing that for herself that mm. love came to her and that came, you know, in her very late 50s. Yeah. Um, she was just before turning six, actually. So it's such a beautiful thing. Like for me, it's a beautiful thing to see her um, sit in a space of love and in a relationship that really nurtures her and um, that is just a beautiful space for her after so much struggle in love yeah. and in relationships um and i really do think that the biggest change in there is that when it comes for you like you were saying when you're working on your limiting beliefs mm -hmm. that business started to turn for you um yeah. i just see the power in that and the fact that you would be able to facilitate that and support women through that or couples through that is yeah. just so beautiful and important and i think it's yeah you give a lot to the world back oh thank you that's so beautiful about your mom it's um you know, so often when single women come to me, they're like, okay, I'm dating and I'm, and I'm like, get off the apps, like, let's stop dating and let's rewind and figure out like who you are and what you want. Because so many people, when I say to them, you know, what are your values? Uh, what are values? Like, I don't, I don't know what my values are. Like, like I'm telling you, like nearly 98% of people say that to me. I probably have like one in a million. That's so, scary. Yeah, yeah, it's so important. So if you don't know your values, please just Google what are my values and find them. <laughs> the values even comes back to understanding and being okay with asking for what you want. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it is okay and it's actually really necessary for you yeah. to be really clear on what you want because how are you supposed to get it if you don't know what you're looking for? Mm. And, like, do not settle. I, I Like, just stop listening to your friends because I have enough people <laughs> that say to me, but my friends think my list is too big or that, you know, I should just settle. It's be, I've been single for so long, I should just settle. Like, no, because you're going to wake up. Like, I see those relationships. Remember that I work with the singles and the couples. So I mm -hmm. see those people that settle five, ten years down the track and they're not happy. Yeah. They just put in the work in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And and it just makes me think of worthiness, right? Of mm -hmm. That's yeah. everything. Exactly. Everything. Your self-worth, your how you see yourself, what you think you're capable of, and this is across the board, right? Whether that yep. be in a romantic relationship, whether that be in friendships, whether that be in a family relationship, whether that be with your business. business like yep. if you are not seeing that you're worthy of something, if you are not feeling good enough to do it, if you are not feeling that you can create things the way you want them or that you can ask for things, then it's not going to come to you. It's yeah. you have to get to this space of worthiness to believe and trust that you can do it, even when it fucking feels hard. Yeah, yeah. And just what I know we're finishing up, but just one thing, because this has come to me so often with clients recently, and it's so relevant to business because they often talk about things that they want to do. And like that negative self talk has to go. And yes. so many of you allow it to be there and just happen. And you fall down the spiral with it because it's giving you some sort of kickback, but it's terrible and it's like stopping you from getting what you want and it's like it kills me when I see it because I'm like you're letting this happen like you know what you're saying you'd never let anyone speak to you that way you're allowing this behavior from yourself to happen to yourself and it's limiting so much of your life and it's the most toxic relationship right yep. and it's it's the most toxic relationship in your life and it's mm -hmm. the one that you have with yourself 
Yeah. So what the fuck do you expect for the rest? Like yeah. everything around you, you know, it's one of my programs, um, the Elevate Experience is part of it is that it's like your thoughts mm. you can't just fucking keep talking shit to yourself yeah you can't just keep you know telling yourself you can't you can't just keep like eating your own bullshit stories and yep. reinforcing them and yep. just expect things to change you have to fucking interrupt that pattern otherwise yep. you keep going through the same old cycle and yep. i always say this the shit that you say to yourself would you say it to your kids to your best friend to your mum no, mm -hmm. no fucking way you would. So why is yeah. it okay for you to speak to yourself like that? Yeah. There you go. Everyone do this course. Oh, I'm fired up. <laughs> me too. How am I going to sleep? No, it's only just this. What have we, we started? <laughs> it's no. a whole other podcast. Honestly, but this is this is a shit that makes a difference. It's not about the strategies. It's not about the perfectly boxed program. It's about the shit that starts inside of you that then allows other things to come to you. And that's what Beck does in, you know, with singles, in relationships, in your coaching programs. That's what I do in my, you know, with my clients and business owners and women. And we just have to just fucking stir the pot a little bit and get our shit moving. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I've loved this chat with you, Beck. Thank you so <laughs> much. Too. You're welcome. So we could go for hours. The, 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 a little taste of the chat that we had as we were walking along the Yeah, beach. exactly. We should have that. We should have recorded that. It was very windy, maybe not. But. <laughs> it was, actually. Uh, well, Beck, um, tell me your handles before you go. I'll pop them in the show notes, but just so people can reach you. Yeah, I'm the relationship circle everywhere. I keep confusing it with the relationship coach. <laughs> well, I am the relationship coach. Can <laughs> I? Uh, oh, yes, the relationship circle. Circle. I love it. I love it. Oh, Beck, you have an incredible day. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom, your knowledge, your intuition, and just connecting with us. And um, if anybody is, you know, interested in working with Beck, please go and say hello. Yeah, come say hello. I don't bite. Not Often. you, really. <laughs> <laughs> Amiga, I want to say gracias for hanging out with me today. I appreciate you. And I'm so fucking grateful that you jumped on this podcast today. If you're loving what you're hearing, you know what to do. Share it with your biz bestie. Tell me your aha and light bulb moments and what you're loving in a review. And subscribe. Because you know what? Together, we create the ripple effects.